Theological Resources team. We have Brian, Martin, Vladimir, and myself. What we want to do is give you kind of a behind-the-scenes look at how theological reflection and practice can come together to inform and help us in our Christian life. Each of us are studying at Trinity down the road in Deerfield, or PhD students, and we bring our different disciplines into this presentation. So the format will look a little bit different than a typical sermon series. You'll see different people up here talking and presenting from their areas that they've studied. Um, Vladimir is a New Testament scholar. He'll be talking today from a New Testament perspective on baptism. Um, Martin is a historical theologian. Brian is a systematic theologian. Next week, they will be talking kind of a practical application, a practices of baptism for our church. And I'm a missiologist. I study missions. Um, <clears throat> missiologists are known for asking a lot of questions, so I will do that today. But today we will be doing baptism in the Bible and overview. Next week, baptism and church practice, a dialogue between Brian and Martin. And then in the third week, baptism and evangelism, kind of a practical outward-looking orientation as a baptized community, both individually and corporately. How can we live out the connection between baptism and mission in our community, in our lives? Um, so for, what is baptism? Why do we baptize? When are people baptized? Is there a right age to be baptized? Is there a wrong age? Do you remember your baptism? And how would you know if you're ready to be baptized or if your child is ready to be baptized? And if you were baptized, what was the significance for you? Um, why, if you have children, why would you want them to be baptized? <clears throat> and if you were baptized, what relevancy does that have for your Christian life today? Um, so we, we are in the 40-day time period after Easter, before the ascension of Jesus. When he left shortly before that, he gave us what is commonly called the Great Commission. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always until the end of the age. So what we'll be doing in this mini-sermon series, so Dr. Boaz, I believe, talked about the Great Commission a little bit last week, when he returns from India, he'll be continuing on in Acts. What we want to do is take kind of a deep dive into baptism, looking at what it means for us here today in our life. <clears throat> um, so from this short passage, we see that baptism was a direct commandment given to the disciples. Disciples are to be baptized. Beyond that, the term baptism is repeated often in the New Testament story. Um, in the NIV English translation, the word baptize, baptism, baptized, or baptizing is used 121 times. 
it is throughout the New Testament story. We see John the Baptist. He was baptizing people down at the Jordan River. Jesus wanted him to be baptized. Jesus commanded people to be baptized who were following him. Um, <clears throat> we see the early church practice. Peter baptized people. Paul baptized. It's repeated throughout. And Vladimir will be diving into kind of that New Testament story of what it meant in that time period, that biblical background. Um, furthermore, baptism is one of the two Protestant sacraments. Um, what might that mean for our life here today, <clears throat> our individual and corporate life? Now, here at Redeemer Life Church, we're part of the Covenant Church. The Covenant Church practices both infant baptism and adult-only baptism. Why? Um, what might that mean for us here today? Uh, and then that's kind of what Martin and Vladimir will be diving, or I mean, excuse me, Martin and Brian will be diving into next week, kind of that uh, framework for what we can learn from both of the practices of infant baptism and adult-only baptism, and how we could be informed to make an informed decision for ourselves and for our children, um, kind of what we can learn from each other for these two approaches to baptism. We want to be obedient people that make informed choices. Why would you choose one or the other for your children? Um, the third Sunday will move us into that outward orientation, baptism in the Great Commission, living it out mission in our lives here and now. We want to respond faithfully in obedience. Um, so with that brief introduction, Vladimir is going to come up and dive into more of those 121 times that the word baptism is used and kind of unpack that for us from his New Testament training and expertise. Right. right. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Well, maybe Brian scared you a little bit because uh, 121 times in the Old Testament is, you know, is, is a big number. Uh, so, uh, but please don't be scared. We will look only at uh, 119 passages, uh, occurrences of that word in the New Testament. But uh, no, really, I'll, uh, it'll be a few representative uh, passages uh, that will remind us or maybe teach us something new uh, about baptism. Uh, for some of you, it's a dear subject to your heart. Uh, perhaps you, with joy, remember the day uh, of your uh, baptism if you were an adult. Uh, if you were uh, baptized as a, as, a, as a child or an infant, you probably don't remember that day. But hopefully your parents or your church sort of established you in the meaning of that baptism that uh, you once uh, received. Uh, <clears throat> so please uh, uh, bear with my uh, imperfect English and, uh, um, and listen fast, okay, as I will try to speak uh, fast as well. Um, uh, first, uh, let me uh, ask you a very irrelevant question. Who likes uh, baseball here in this room? Be honest, too few of you. Maybe more, no? You know what? I expected maybe 60-70% of the people, you know, uh, raise their hands. Okay, uh, you know, uh, so it's, the result is a little bit different. So not, a few, not, 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 not many of you sort of associated yourself with your like of, uh, of, of, of the sports. Um, now, those of you, very few of you, though, now it's, it's losing sense, you know, to, uh, 
to interview you. But those of you, there, there are two teams in Chicago, right? Cubs and tell me. Oh, the Sox. That's right. So um, it's probably the strangest uh, name for a sports team in Russia. I mean, if you, if you, if you told them, uh, they would probably laugh nonstop for a long time. Anyway, so who uh, uh, um, yeah, of those who raised uh, your hands, who cheers for uh, Cubs? Okay, a few. And who cheers for uh, Sox? Okay, a few of you. All right. So, um, yeah, this seems like an uh, uh, irrelevant question or interview, but it, it, does, uh, has, it does have some um, uh, you know, application to our, or illustration maybe for our discussion today, and I will return to it a few minutes later. So, this is what uh, we're going to do in this uh, few minutes that we have. Um, uh, we're going to look at the origin of, of baptism, because you, you, some of you are not have not been baptized. Uh, maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Maybe uh, you're just seeking the Lord and just trying to figure out what Christianity is for you. Whatever reason, you you may not have been baptized yet. So uh, it is going to be something interesting for for you to find out, like what is this thing that Christians do. Some of you, I hope, will be reminded of the deep, deep meaning of baptism. Whether you were baptized as an infant or as a child, uh, remember a little, little from that event, or maybe you were baptized as, a, as an adult, already making uh, you know, a conscious uh, choice toward God and uh, having undergone you know, a conscious conversion. It was like your conscious choice to do that, and then you were baptized. So let's start from, um, from the origin of, of, of baptism. And these slides, I hope, will, will help us um, you know, follow the, um, the topic. Uh, so uh, you, you see a painting here uh, from a, or by a Russian um, artist uh, uh, by the name of Alexander Ivanov. And it's called uh, The Appearance of Christ to the People. That's how he saw it, and maybe it's a small, uh, you know, look into the Russian um, history of, 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 you know, art. Uh, so um, this reminds us of, of those events uh, recorded in the gospel, in the gospels. For example, Mark one four, as you can see in the, on the screen, um, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness. And proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this verse alone is rich with meaning. But what I want to um, uh, emphasize that John baptized in the wilderness, it was uh, very different from whatever the Jews of that time did, and John was a Jew, uh, because the center of the religious life was in the city of Jerusalem or in the synagogues all over the uh, Roman Empire. So that's where religion was done. That's where the Torah was read. That's where, you know, the, uh, the Jewish teacher, teachers uh, hoped that the uh, uh, people would uh, live in accordance with God's law and uh, in uh, harmony with God. But now John goes to this desert place, this wilderness. Something strange is going on. He's, 
He's pointing out something. And then he proclaims this baptism, and it's connected to these two ideas. Please note repentance and forgiveness. Uh, was it something that the Jews of that time were used to? Or was there something surprising in what John did? Uh, like I said, every uh, verse that we are going to read uh, is, deserves uh, you know, a sermon for, its, for itself. But uh, we will only gallop sort of through, um, through these uh, passages. So you can see a big picture. And then the details we can discuss, if you wish, later. So uh, then uh, we go to this event where Jesus is baptized. Now, many Jews came to uh, John to be baptized. And John told them about the kingdom of God that is coming. So in connection to that kingdom of God, do be baptized uh, with this idea of uh, repentance and forgiveness in mind. And then all of a sudden, Jesus uh, comes and he steps into the water. And, and like those other sinners, he approaches John and just, John was hesitant. Should I baptize you, Jesus? Because I know something more about you than about the rest of the people. You are special. And, John, and Jesus tells John, no, no, no. Let's do everything right right now. So do baptize me. And hesitantly, though, but uh, John did baptize Jesus. Uh, and then some miraculous things happened. Uh, because when Jesus came out of the waters, you can uh, see part of it at least uh, on, this, on the screen. We see that heavens uh, tore open and the Spirit descending on Jesus like a, like a dove in the, in the, you know, as a bird. And then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. I am well pleased. So Jesus was not a sinner. It's a separate conversation altogether. But um, he was not a sinner so as to do what every other person did. But for some reason, he did that too. I think he associated himself with the sinners. He did not remain like a, like a king, glorious and holy. But he did uh, sort of stood in the role of the sinners. And that's what incarnation means. He became like one of us. So even Jesus had to be baptized. And then um, we see, um, and then we see in Matthew 28, and Brian already reminded us, uh, we see in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this great, great commission. And Jesus basically told uh, the disciples uh, Three things, or maybe one thing with two other important compartments. He, he told them, you go and make disciples from all nations. You make them, those, uh, you make them disciples. And uh, how you do that? By baptizing them. Like, there's lots of things Christians do, right? You could do social work, for example. Why didn't Jesus, you know, list it here? Or we can, list, we can go on and on. Uh, but, but he did mention baptism first. So important it was at least at that time when, the, when God's mission through Jesus and through the disciples began. So he says, you go baptize them. And then you teach them everything I have commanded. Uh, let them observe what I have commanded you. Um, so... Um, this uh, seems to be very, very important. And John called people to immerse in the waters of Jordan, the river Jordan, in expectation of the kingdom of God. 
repentance, forgiveness of sins. Like, how are those things connected? Then even Jesus was baptized to identify himself with the repented people, although he himself did not need that repentance. So what does uh, all these elements have to do with immersing in the water or maybe sprinkling by the water? Because there are circumstances in, in life where you cannot actually, or, or maybe by the doctrine of your denomination, should not immerse people into the water. It happens in, in different ways. But to make disciples, great commission, of all nations uh, on this earth. So uh, this is our, our big question, and we um, follow with the answer to our question like, how did this baptism begin? Why did, was John, why did John do it? And why did Jesus consider it so, uh, so important? So let us go to the Old Testament. Because this was the uh, thought world, or this was the, uh, some theologians uh, would say, symbolic world of Jesus and of John. And also of those first uh, Jews who came to John in like in a new manner. They were doing a new thing, but they still came and they were baptized in the water. So what does the Old Testament uh, tell us? Well, basically baptism has, uh, is connected with a washing. So you wash your hands, right? Uh, of course, your parents are not happy when uh, children, uh, you know, did not wash their hands and they sit at the table to eat. So there's something, uh, even on a this daily, uh, daily basis, there's something very important about, about purity. About purity, of, co of course. And uh, so we, uh, we take shower, right? We, we wash our hands. Uh, so the Jewish um, uh, rituals uh, maybe are not part of our life. But still, we know there's something important about washing yourself. Now, bring yourself in the time machine, you know, 3,000 years uh, in the, into the past. No showers, right? <laughs> in, in, in a region like um, Near East, even rivers are not available or, or lakes. So, um, so uh, uh, a purity, not only ritual... But also physical purity uh, was very important. God wanted his people to be different. Uh, yes, in their hearts, but also, uh, uh, also outwardly. God wanted uh, his people to be different from uh, many nations. And like I said, it's, a, it's another lecture, many lectures um, about the pure, uh, uh, ritual purity in Israel. So there were three things, and they are listed here on the screen. First of all, it's a national cleansing or washing or purging, national. Exodus 19, those verses that are, point, that are recorded there, say this, Go to the people, God says to Moses, and consecrate them today. Consecration means to separate, like from impure uh, into a, pu a pure crowd, if you wish. So consecrate them. I mean, kids, do you uh, use that word in school today? Any, anybody? Consecration? No? Well, ask your teacher. Why aren't we using that word today? Yeah. <laughs> but at least uh, it has to do with purity, cleanliness. Okay? 
So God wants to be outwardly as a sign. Um, you know, God wants his people to be clean, um, especially in, in um, uh, connection or against, uh, from, you know, against uh, from uh, uh, the, um, the other uh, people that do not care much about such uh, cleanliness or, or, or purity. So let them wash their garments. They wash their garments. They wash their hands as a nation. Then we see a priestly uh, uh, cleanliness or a priestly washing. Leviticus chapter 8 uh, reads this. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. So that first of all, before the nation could be cleansed, the priests who go to God first on behalf of the people... So that the people, uh, so that the priests would be clean, first of all. Uh, and then the, the, the priests uh, could deal with the rest of the people and help them, both ritually and inwardly in their hearts, become clean before God. So important it was. So when a Jew would wash his hands or would wash his garments, he would be reminded of, hey... I am God's child. I'm God's chosen, part of God's chosen people. So I am called to be clean outwardly, and this reminds of my inward cleanliness as well. So, so then we see an individual uh, 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 purity. Leviticus chapter 14 uh, also reads um, you know, or, or gives us uh, some details about washing uh, uh, an individual. Uh, so, corporately, people are responsible to be clean before God, to be washed of their uh, impurities, thoughts, decisions, you know, behavior. And also, um, as a symbol, physically, they were washed. Now, I want you, uh, you to, I want to take you to Psalm 51, verse 2. Is it there on the screen? Uh, maybe not. Uh, but King David uh, says this after he sinned well he was an individual yes but he as a king represented the whole nation so important his role was was so this is what he says after he sinned uh, terribly he says lord wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin he uses two different uh, greek and and hebrew words here uh, he's, he, he wants that cleanliness so so badly so he wants to be clean and washed. Uh, first of all, his heart would be free from sin. You know, the Jews did, uh, brought sacrifices, right? So sacrifices, you know, animals got killed. Mm, we don't do that today. But for them, it was an important reminder. Uh, <clears throat> we, we kill animals only to satisfy our stomach, right? But for them, it was that also, but a second, in a secondary manner. First of all, it was a sacrifice to God. Um, that reminded them that God provided a means for their atonement, redemption, forgiveness of their sins. So sacrifices atoned for the acts of sin. Washing actually uh, was associated with uh, cleansing a sinful and unholy condition. You know the difference between an act, actually, you know, your behavior... Or also a condition, like, like a description of who you are. So washing was associated with clean, clean, uh, cleansing your um, condition as a person. 
uh, before God, or at least reminded you that you have to be, uh, that you have to be, if you're God's people, you have to be uh, uh, clean before a holy God. So uh, I'd like to, um, oh, there was, also was, there, there was also a day of atonement, a very big celebration, a very big celebration. We can't, we don't have time to spend on that, but a very big celebration, this word atonement for many of us, Again, another word to ask your teacher. Okay, it's cool. Atonement. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, it has to do with purging uh, of the temple from, uh, from impurity and also uh, purging of the people, washing of the people from their sins. And the Jews of the old times, they did it regularly. Simply just, just to be in that mindset, to remind them constantly, yes, we are holy people. Uh, we have to be washed on a regular basis. Um, uh, yes, one day God chose us to be His people. One day God redeemed us from uh, Egypt and all of that. But let us be reminding ourselves of what happened to us one day in the past or one, one time in the past. Let me now build a bridge very briefly from the Old Testament where washing was so important. A build to the New Testament, where we see John baptizing, where we see Jesus baptizing uh, the people, uh, uh, baptizing people, and then we will see Paul and the other apostles talking about baptism. So, what is that bridge? Let's go to uh, let's go to two passages, and if you would, you can of course uh, read uh, your own Bible. Uh, I don't believe I have the the passages. Uh, there on the screen, but do, I do have references. So first of all, in, in terms of that bridge between the Old Testament and the Apostles, it's Acts, the book of Acts, um, uh, chapter 22, and verses from roughly from 12 to 16. We see the Apostle Paul telling Roman officials about his own conversion. Yeah, you see this chart? So, uh, Acts 22, 12 through 16. So, and Paul, te- Paul is telling this Roman official this. And uh, one man by the name of Ananias, a devout man according to the law. This is very important. This man, Anan- uh, or Ananias maybe, right? Help me out here. Ananias, I think. A devout man according to the law. Who was also a Christian. He helped Paul in his crisis moment. Uh, when Paul uh, saw this great vision, he saw Jesus Christ, he, he felt maybe guilty for uh, persecuting Christians. It was a crisis moment for Paul. And then comes along this uh, Ananias, devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. So this Ananias is telling Paul this. Paul, why do you wait? Rise. Rise. From your crisis sort of feelings. And be baptized, says Ananias to Paul. And wash away your sins, calling on Jesus' name. So you see a very close tie. Be baptized. And what? And be washed. um, From your crisis, from your sin, from your going against God. And call on Jesus' name. This is the big change. Yes, you are washed, just like in the Old Testament, but 
call on Jesus' name. Not, don't appeal to the Torah, although Torah is still important, the law. Don't, don't pray to Moses or other big saints of the past, but call on Jesus' name. So 1 Corinthians 6.11 gives us this. Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, as well as uh, to us, and such sinners were some of you. Uh, believe me, he, he makes a big list of, of, of big sins, sins that the Corinthian people practiced. So such were some of you as well. But you were washed, you were sanctified. The word sanctified means to separate. Remember we, uh, uh, this word consecration? Again, don't forget to ask your teacher, okay? Yeah, uh, so consecration. Uh, uh, so you are sanctified now. You are made holy. Yes, you were washed. You were sanctified. And, the, uh, and, and you, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So again, the connection between washing and sanctification. This is very important. Now I will quickly mention that there was also Greco-Roman religion. It may have some secondary influence um, on the uh, practice of baptism or rite of baptism. Also, uh, Dead Sea uh, community. You may or may not have heard of this uh, influential religious group that also, or Qumran, you know, the... the the um, uh, place in the wilderness called, called Qumran, where some devout Jews lived. But we don't have time to discuss that. But just so you hear about it at least you know, once in your life, or maybe a lot more than once. And then also uh, converts. Converts from pagan religions to Judaism. They were also baptized. So there were some other factors involved but I think the Old Testament is in many ways the major factor. So, then we go to, um, uh, before we go to, yeah, please go to the next slide. Uh, before we go, okay, we took it away, right? Uh, the um, baptistry. Okay, let's go to the significance of uh, baptism. Significance or meaning of baptism. There will be five points that I will quickly list. First of all, it's in the name of Christ. And what is important, in the name of the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Matthew 28, 19, the great commission of Jesus. He says, baptize people from Russia, from Korea, from Thailand, from all countries in Africa. So baptize them all. Europe, of course, and uh, but don't baptize anybody from uh, Antarctica, right? Or Antarctica. Anyway, so there's no population there. Yeah, um, otherwise baptize everyone from all other continents. Um, and um, this is important in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not again in the name of Moses. Because every Jew was... You know, every Jew you know, kept himself close to Moses. Moses was so important. But no, it says, Jesus is the new Moses. So baptize, wash yourself in the name of this Jesus. Acts, Acts 2.28, uh, you know, from the sermon of the Apostle Peter, repent and be baptized. 
every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, forgiveness. And you will, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we will talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe, on the day of the Pentecost, a, couple of, a, few, a few weeks later. So 1 Corinthians uh, 6.11 um, Again, we already read this, and uh, so you were washed and sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So the whole Trinity is involved, not only Jesus. This is an invitation. This first factor is an invitation for all of us and for those who are yet to believe in Christ, or maybe some of you kids will be born again to your family. Think about it now. If you, if you think about parenting one day, think about your children that God will give you and, uh, and uh, uh, you should grow them in the ways of the Lord. And uh, depending on the denomination in which you grew, you know, I don't want to argue here a lot, but uh, baptize them one day. Baptize them one day because we join with God, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in His work on this planet. His purposes are our purposes. His causes on this planet are our causes for the sake of God in His triune nature. So we're God's team now. We're teamed up uh, with God. We participate in His holiness. His holiness is our holiness. It's a transferable attribute of God. Is God holy? Do I really want to be holy? Do I care about holiness? Um, is the question that a baptized believer asks of himself or should be asking very frequently in his life or her life. Identification with Christ and his community. Another factor, very important factor. Sort of it overlaps with the first factor, yes. We identify ourselves with Christ, but then we add this community, the church. Uh, we are not only joined with God, but we also join uh, with this community of believers who once uh, uh, became Christians themselves and uh, were baptized. Um, Acts 2.41 reminds us, one day, 3,000 believers were baptized and they were added to the church about you know, 3,000 souls. Yes, well, we must uh, pray. We must pray and be very, very open that you know, one day 3,000, or maybe even three believers one day will be baptized, you know, in our church. That's going to be a great thing. We need to be asking questions like, Lord, what should we be doing more? You know, should we pray more? Should we ask questions more? Should we be creative more? So that there will be more uh, new converts uh, and more baptisms. Yes, we have children and we can baptize them too. Uh, I did not grow up in this tradition, so uh, I may have a different opinion on that. But, um, uh, but in nonetheless, uh, we should be thinking in both directions depending on how you were taught. Galatians 3.27 tells us this, In Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, sons and daughters of God, we might say, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus into Christ have put for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have, have put your uh, faith on Christ. Uh, did I miss something? Yeah. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12:13 also tells us this: In one spirit, we all baptized into one 
body, one group of, of believers. So I'll go quickly to the next, uh, uh, next uh, two uh, last, actually three last points. Stands uh, toward the world and sin and salvation. Friends, um, we can't talk about our favorite verse in the Bible or favorite passage because the whole Bible is important. But if you pay attention for a few days or nights at Romans 6, and if you read it carefully and prayerfully, it can change a lot in your life. Romans 6. It reminds us of baptism signifying that we died with Christ for sin. To be dead means to have no relationships. Okay? Uh, uh, no dependence, dependency on another uh, object. No like connection. So we are dead for sin. At the same time, we're uh, quickened, we're brought to life to a righteous life with Christ. Just like Christ was righteous. So Romans 6, if you give some attention to it, please, next few nights, find 5 or 10 or 15 minutes, or more, of course, uh, of your time, and try to read Romans 6 several times. It will give you so much about this mystery of union with Christ and following His example, and sharing, sharing His life, and His mission, and sharing His faith, you know, in the future. So there is an image of clothing uh, for, us as, uh, for us as Christians to put um, inappropriate clothes, uh, or maybe to come somewhere. Uh, we don't go to church in our swimming suit, right? It's just an, an inappropriate. Or if I were to put uh, my son's, 11-year-old son's uh, uh, clothes on me, I would look like very, you know, you, you, might, you might as well think that I'm gone, you know, a little bit crazy. But uh, so I, I don't do that. In the, same, uh, in the same way, our attitude towards sin should be. But uh, clothes of holiness, the, uh, being clothed with Christ, symbol, uh, figuratively speaking, is very important. Then another factor is witness. 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 Very quickly. Witness or a reminder. When we receive baptism, for example, as adults, this is what my tradition teaches, we symbolize what happened in our hearts. A short time or you know, a few weeks or a few months before that. If we were changed from within by the Holy Spirit, then we, uh, we uh, show it by our baptism. Now, responsible parents, if they want to bring their uh, child in the, um, in the ways of the Lord, if they were taught that way, they may as well uh, baptize their child. Um, uh, but their responsibility then is to bring the child up uh, in the ways of the Lord uh, truly, because um, it's a witness or a reminder of God's grace in our life. And I want to close by saying this, the fifth factor. It's not, baptism is not a rite that saves uh, in any sense in itself. First Peter 3.21 tells us that baptism is not a cleansing of the flesh, but it saves us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, um, a rite itself, a washing of your hands, or immersing yourself into, into water, or sprinkling of water on you, uh, does in itself uh, 
nothing for you except that you give meaning to it. Uh, uh, so it could be controversial. It could be, uh, you know, there will be more conversation on that. But I'm thinking of Ephesians 4, 5 at the end of my uh, uh, sermon, where it says that there is only one body, that means a church, and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope and belongs to, that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There are controversies in the world, theological debates, but when I think, when Paul says that there is only one baptism, I would rather cling, you know, to that statement uh, than uh, to make it a divisive um, issues. You know, uh, fans of different soccer teams or maybe baseball team, maybe it's a more peaceful uh, sports, but soccer fans sometimes will beat each other and, and, and fight you know, with each other and do crazy things. Well, it's okay. I mean, if you... Uh, no, it's not okay, but I mean that... <laughs> I mean, I mean, they explain it to themselves that I'm a fan, a fan of this uh, soccer club or this soccer club. And, of course, we're the winners, we're the champions and all of that. And so they then beat each other's faces. That's crazy, of course. But Christians should not, uh, you know, imitate the ways of the world. Um, so we try to think of unity which Christ gave us and one baptism that Christ gave us. And then we can peacefully talk about other uh, secondary matters. But as long as we remember there is in the name of uh, Christ and uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit, as, uh, as long as we remember that uh, this should be a reminder of how our lives should be washed and, uh, and all these other factors that I listed, uh, let this be a uniting factor and let this be also a renewing factor for each one of us and let, let us cherish that event, and especially the significance of baptism that we once undergone. And let us bring other people to faith and pray about it. And, um, and, and lead them to baptism so they can join with God and join with uh, Christ's community. So uh, let us pray. Let us pray and make this um, uh, subject of our sort of attention this Sunday and next Sunday. Don't forget about Romans 6. And don't forget to ask your teachers about those words that you've learned today. Have you forgotten them? Anyway, let's pray. Our great God, you are a loving God. You send your Son on this earth to save us sinners. Those precious uh, truths are so... Um, in li uh, uh, they bring us life. They, uh, they give us the strength and the power. Just help us to focus on them. You also send your Holy Spirit to, uh, into our lives and into your church so that we would be an instrument of your salvation, your peace on this earth, your will on this uh, chaotic, oftentimes, uh, 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 world. So, Lord, we ask you uh, to help us uh, to delve into uh, the depth of your teachings uh, so that we may... Um, uh, do your commandments in this life so that we may be a light to this world, so that we may be able to bring other people from, this, uh, from their sinful lives and, and bring them to you and so that they may join you and the church in baptism. Uh, may your name be glorified, your wonderful, wonderful name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.